G'day there, Signets and Swanlings. 2012 Premiership player Nick Smith here. It's my pleasure, as always, to introduce a bevy of bloods, a fan podcast of the Sydney Swans Football Club, brought to you by Noddy and Steve-O, a pair of red and white tragics. So pop on the kettle and settle in as the boys have an in-depth chat about the Swans' last game, the Swans' next game, and a little bit about footy too. This is Nick Smith signing off until next week's episode. But in the meantime, remember, be good to your bloods and they'll be good to you. Welcome back to A Bevy of Bloods. My name is Noddy and I'm joined as always by Chris. How are you going, mate? Mate, nervous and excited. Can't sleep. How you doing? Exactly the same. It's very late slash very early, and here we are doing this episode number ninety uh, ninety six. There we go, number fifty six, in which we'll be previewing the bloody grand final against the Cats this coming Saturday. So fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially, definitely, most definitely biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved Bloods. This Saturday afternoon, our Sydney Swans will play the Geelong Cats at the MCG for the 2022 AFL Premiership with wow. first bounce at 2.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. It still kind of feels surreal, doesn't it? It's not. It doesn't feel right. Like I know I'm jumping on a plane in like 48 hours, but it doesn't feel right. I, I don't feel <laughs> that yet. It's unbelievable. It's really struggling to put this in my mind and I'm, I'm losing sleep over a good thing. It's weird. <laughs> well, let me set the scene. Let's let's recap. Let's go back to, to how these two teams have made it as far as they have. So let's look at Geelong. They were minor premiers finishing in first place with 18 wins, four losses and a huge percent on 144.2. They have the third best offense um, after the home and away season after Richmond and Brisbane the third best defence after Fremantle and Melbourne. If you break down their wins and losses, they had seven wins against top eight teams, Collingwood, Brisbane, Western Bulldogs, Richmond, Melbourne, Carlton, and the Dogs again, and three losses against other top eight teams. The Swannies by 30 and Buddies 1,000th Magical Night, Fremantle by three, and St Kilda by 10. So apart from us... Two close losses. Uh, two close losses would have beaten all the other top eight teams. In terms of bottom ten, they had eleven wins. Um, I'm not going to go through it, but basically they had two wins against the Roos, who came last, and two wins against the Eagles, who came second last. Um, and they had one loss against Hawthorne, and that was by twelve. So uh, there's a bit of a story coming out here. Basically. Um, by the end of the home and away season, their average against was about 67, 68 points a game, and their average four was about 97, almost 98 points a game. So defensively very good, as we've said, third. Offensively very good, third. Um, we come ahead to the final series. They've had a pretty good run like us, two games at the MCG. They've beaten Collingwood, as we know, by six, and then absolutely wiped the floor of the Lions. Did they even turn up that night? Who knows? by 71. So just looking at these two games, their averages for the finals are very similar to their home and away. So they've got 60 to 61 points against and 99 points for, obviously helped by that huge 71-point thrashing. If we look at their average winning margin, they're 39.61 points uh, for the home and away season, and the average losing margin is 13.75 for the home and away. Skip ahead to the finals, and it's a pretty close figure. Obviously, they haven't lost yet, but their average winning margin is 38.5. 
They're on a 15-game win streak. There's six wins from six games at the MCG in 2022. They've qualified for their sixth grand final since 2007. Like, you know, they've had a pretty big season. Yep. And those numbers, mate, so what what we're seeing there is that they are insanely consistent and they've been the – the team to beat since more or less the fir- like the first couple of rounds in 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 the this for this year. So and luckily we got one over them. But yeah, all those numbers and everything you say there, well, like wow, they they are dominant this, this year. Yep, um, big time. And look, obviously this is preaching to the choir to the listeners of the podcast. But for the sake of good order, I'm going to do the same for the Swannies so we can have a like for like comparison. We finished third, as we know, 16 wins, six losses, 127.9%, fourth best offense, fourth best defense behind Richmond, Brisbane, and Geelong, behind Fremantle, Melbourne, and Geelong, respectively. Um, Our top eight wins, we had six. They were against Geelong, Bulldogs, Richmond, Fremantle, Bulldogs again, and then Collingwood. We had two losses, um, one against the Bulldogs, that early one, and then that shocking loss against Brisbane. Against the bottom 10 teams, we had 10 wins. Um, We played North Melbourne twice, but only the Eagles once. And then we had four losses, the Suns, Carlton, Port, and Essendon. In terms of those averages that I spoke about about for the Cats, the home and away uh, against averages, we were 73 to 74 against, and we were 94.4. So I'll just refresh the memory. For the Cats, it was 68 against and 97, 98, 4. So probably, yeah, they're, they're a bit better there, aren't they? So um, and then we skip ahead to our finals campaign. So we obviously had that rousing win against the D's at the MCG by 22 points. And then that massive win, which we just reviewed moments ago uh, in the podcast uh, against the Pies by one point at the SCG. How wonderful. So uh, our final series averages for four, we've got 81.5, 82 points against and 93.4. We've got an average winning margin, the home and away, of 39 points, 39.19, and an average losing margin of 16. So that's pretty close to the Cats. I just want to call that out. So the Cats had about 40-point average winning margin. Ours was 35, and they had a 13, 14-point average losing margin, and we were 16. So not far off. Um, skipping ahead to the finals, we haven't lost any. So our average winning margin in the finals has been 11.5 points uh, because of that close win. Obviously, we are also on a nine-game win streak. We're two wins from three games at the MCG in 2022, um, and they were Melbourne uh, during the season. We won by 12. Essendon, nope. That was the one we lost. That was that nine, that frustrating nine-point loss mm-hmm. to the the Dons, where they couldn't kick it behind. I think they were like twelve-five or something, and we we had way too many behinds. And then, of course, the third game and the second win of the year for us was the qualifying final against the D's again at the MCG. Um, it is, of course, our fourth grand final since 2012, um, 2012, 14, 16, and this year. So, that's the recap. That's that. A lot of numbers, but let's get back into the juicy stuff. I know you've got some real feel-good stuff here, mate. So let's get into storylines. Yeah. So we, we want to. We, what we want to do is want to enjoy the journey that we've got here. We've got some fantastic storylines that are driven by all the players and the coaches. So let's just start off with the big man himself, Buddy. Look, 
So much has been written about Buddy, and you just have to imagine that this year is redemption, regardless of what happens at the grand final for this year, because one man can't entirely turn it um, for themselves. It takes a team effort. But for this year, final last year of his contract, signs on for another year, if we just uh, found out today. Um, they said he would never finish that contract. He wouldn't be healthy enough. Well, not only is he healthy, he's still insanely good. He's still super healthy. He just kicked 50 goals um, with the best of the Swans um, and he's doing everything he needs to do. He's in great health um, and, of course, kicks his 1,000th goal against the team that he then goes on to play the grand final of in that same year. Spooky. Now, well, how do you spooky. feel about that? Like the storyline there has just got oh, bullets are written all over it. <laughs> it's it's hard to because that's the we're going to go through, you know, we're going to look at our previous encounters. Mm. That's the last time we played them. It's sort of hard to get a read on it because it was such a magical, um, yeah, also Energy. surreal night. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, we beat him by 30 or whatever it was. Um, anyway, we'll go through that later. Um, I'm stoked. Buddy's hanging around. Like, also, going back in time, they think he was just going to, like, just fall apart. I know he had a few issues at the time, but, yeah, I mean, that, that they were so cutthroat about it, weren't they? They were like, you know, even if he doesn't, even if he has to retire, you've got to pay him the, for the full thing. And then there was the fallout with the... You know the trade ban and then the cola and yeah. geez, they hated us, didn't they? They really went. They were. They that we were was, just following the rules. We were just like we are. Oh, those are the rules are cool. Let's play with them. It's like how dare you? It's like Buddy's changed the game entirely in a few different ways. But now he's the best modern forward of all time, undisputed. Um, and yeah, just, just writes writes a new storyline every time he steps onto the pitch. That he is built that way it's just fantastic mate just unbelievable one more year one Love more, year. One more look, year look another storyline milsey and heaney our two academy boys this year both all australians look from the very beginning we knew they were special and as they've come into prime age they are now icons of the competition and are leading us into a grand final that they are a massive part of what a fantastic story academy boys to all australians babies to full-grown men great to see love to see that it um it sort of freaks me out to think that they could be like the uh halfback and five eighth for the new south wales blues or the new south wales waratahs <laughs> isn't that a weird a that weird is a thought? weird feeling yeah that's yeah. right I, I just can't see them in anything other than red and white Mate, but, um, look, next one, McCartan Brothers. Oh, what yeah. else? Do, what do we say about this? Like the story is such, so oh, it just blows my heart. Tommy playing as a forward, a good forward, but not an elite forward. Just one day, horse is like, oh yeah, go have a crack at the back. Then I don't know how it happened, but what? However, it happened, started immediately making an impact, showing his true colors. Like, wow, this guy is elite already. And then his brother. Paddy, first draft pick, playing for St. Kilda, going off there, gets concussed a few times, has to step out away from the game, get himself organized. Tommy's in the back line here in the Swans and like, you know, my brother's still looking for a job. So they they, they roll him on <laughs> Something in. Something the McLaughlins know well about, you know, just sort of helping their bros to yeah. uh, <laughs> get a role in the industry. That's hey, it. this is one we condone. Yeah, right. this is yeah, love, right. This we're, is we're all for this one. Nepotism all the way. <laughs> this is it comes on in diabetes, mental health, concussion, does everything he possibly can to get through, starts playing for the swans from round one 
of this year and oh, never stepped back. He was immediately impactful. <clears throat> Everyone was convinced Grundy had made a comeback. As it turned out, it wasn't him. Just it was a, it was just doppelganger. It's a doppelganger of bloody Grundy. <laughs> and now we have the two brothers that clearly love each other to death. Oh my goodness! In that back line. Playing in a grand final together and their first grand final together. Come when on, they man. when they embrace on the field, oh. it does it does things to my heart like that those bloody Google ads do. You know those. Mm. You know, the, have you seen the Google ads? Last season it was the um, the African father and daughter, and the, he's doing the barbecue and it's like, what is a specky or something? And then and then this oh, one yes. is the Alzheimer's oh, one with the Geelong. Oh my god! I, oh, every time I watch that, I cry. It's the crazy. Alzheimer's grandmother, and it's yeah. just like this, this. Oh my god! Oh my god! That, yeah. that is what I get when I watch the McCartan brothers when they embrace on the field. It's just just seeing them talk about each other. I'm just like, oh god! I like I call my brother up immediately. Uh, I had on. so many discussions online with Swans fans. Like you know, it was such a like, and they were like, oh no no, they said, don't bring him in. You know, such. A, but it was such a win win. Um, you know, uh, prospect for the Swans. Mm. You know, if it worked out, we've got a, an ex number one pick, regardless of where you put him, right? You know, but he was he was playing in the VFL down back, so they were grooming him for that. He comes in, slots in perfectly, and we and he's kept out effectively another AFL level key defender in 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 Melican, who That's you feel right. for, who I actually saw at the end of the game um, after the Pies game, and I called out to him. I said, "There was still a love for you, mate. We love you, Melly." You know, hang around if you can, because I mean, surely he's um, he's going to be he's thinking about his out. future as well. Yeah, but like, but, um, yeah, yeah. Like he, Paddy's just going, and that's right. Remember, he got knocked about a couple of times. He he got concussed, not concussed, but concussion syndrome came in, and they yeah. had to sit him out down in the rooms. And, and oh, all of us were in just panic. We're like, oh no, like this, this can't happen now. Not that he's just like finding himself in the game again and now this is going to be taken away from him you can, and he, i remember the time he was in absolute hysterics at the time yeah he was really upset and we all were upset yeah, yeah. but he's now at a grand final with his brother mate. yeah what can that's, you say that's probably the afl story of the year it should be it so should be. let's get a couple of these uh things going um because these are the kinds of things that Give you momentum and, and and get you over the line. So That's it. we got heaps more, mate. Sammy Reid. Sammy oh, Reid. Written R- off. Written off by everyone except the diehard fans of his. Came in, showed us what he could do when his body held up. And not only that, he was dominant while he did it. And it was only halfway through this season when we started realizing that, wow, Sammy is here to play. And he is now, unfortunately done a soft tissue injury and when we're still waiting to hear whether he's going to play or not and we may not find out until the morning of the game or on the game itself whether he plays or not that storyline is a heart jerker and i don't know what to do about it i don't know what to mm. do about my emotions there know, but just like to benny, see benny mcglynn all over again oh god yes mm. oh all right mate next one tom hickey tall jesus tall jesus rock jesus whatever whichever way you want to go down it the most iconic characters since Rampy put on a robe, right? <laughs> At the Swans, he's loved by the fans. He's a loving person by nature. Just a genuinely good bloke. Just a genuinely lovely guy. And you can just see that people love him and he loves them back. He's just a mm. fantastic clubman amongst everything else. Fourth team over four different states. He's going to his GF being the lead ruckman for a dominant team in a dominant centers. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, the, he had an amazing year last year. It was probably, you know, yep. probably arguably one of the one of the. It was top three ruck in the comp. He's a little bit off off that this year. Um, well, the first half of the year, he hasn't kicked as many goals, but his his efforts, I think, just in the last six weeks, have been. You know, one of the main reasons that we've been getting ahead, you know, he's back to his clearance dominance, his two-way running, his assistance in defense, just unreal, yeah. just unreal. We really, what a, what an acquisition. I was, I've been on record before saying I was, I was um, pessimistic about it. I wasn't sure it would work and obviously, you know, proven completely wrong, happy to admit that. Um, and just, yeah, he really is really the, one of the backbones of this team. So more more than that, like a foundation, I would say a foundation. Mm, Yeah. mm. Look, Warner Robottom, the new Mm. insiders. Like, no, we we looked into this season. We like a couple young kids. We saw what they had available to them last year. Maybe Mm. less so Rowie. That's only popped in this year. But we saw what Warner could do. But those two players have played entirely different styles of football. Yet gone on to just be this new look outfit. And from a team that prides itself on quality in the inside, these are the ones we've got. And the unique skills that they have work in perfect unison to each other. We've been blessed by those two, and they are taking the AFL world by storm week in, week out. It's amazing. Definitely, definitely. And and these this was the area that we, we had some question marks over. You know, obviously yep. at the start of the season, we had um, Joey, you know, probably in his last year and that's turned out that way. Um, you know, Parks had signed on for another four, but he'll be 33 when he finishes and Dawson um, left and and we, we lost Hewitt. So we, we were craving these, you know, midfielders. And we'd seen a little bit from both of these guys, but not enough to go, you know, are we going to be competitive this year? And look what they've done. Hmm. Like Warner was in, Warner was, you know, Damien Barrett saying this guy's going to win a Brownlow, like as soon as next year. Like he's doing like dusty stuff. He's doing to goey stuff. And Rowie, I, I think probably more than, more than Chad in the last four weeks or so, Rowie mm-hmm. has just been... So, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his clearance work, his defense work, like averaging like what, like almost 10 tackles a game. The guy is bonkers, right? Beast. In defense, he's just running. And so, yeah, I'm with you, mate. Like these guys have stepped up big time ahead of their years um, and it's just really pleasing. And it's, and it's propelled us forward, those two, I think, yeah, a big part yeah. of it. Yep. Look, Ryan Clark from North Melbourne Kangaroos, what? Just random player, kind of dropped <clears throat> off the team. We got through a trade, Noddy, I think, from memory. Yeah, I think it was a second-round draft pick. I think I remember Beetson saying that he he actually had a look at him um, for our pick that year, and and but they North beat us to it to him. So um, and then when the chance to take him on came up, he yeah he snapped. Um, and he obviously toiled away there in the VFL for a while. I had had a few. Um, games up in the AFL, but but he was in and out, wasn't he? Mm. He was in and out, and just couldn't seemed like keep he, a spot. yeah, he just couldn't keep a spot. Seemed like it was a little bit. Um, he, you, you can never question his running ability. He would run all day, but it was some of his decision making, some of his strength in contest that you think maybe he's um, he wasn't quite there. He's still young, right? He's what 24, 25 maybe. He's a baby, and right? he feels like such a veteran at this point, just from between bouncing in and out of. The, a couple of different teams, bound through the system, just couldn't get himself a, uh, a game. But now he's recognised as probably one of the best positional taggers going around. Yeah, 25. Everyone knows his name. Everyone <clears throat> knows his name now. 
Yeah, I mean, you want to call him the the Clarksman, you want to call him Clamps, whatever you want to call him. Um, and he's uh he's one. Of, I think he's one of he's good mates with the with the like that core group, and so it's good to see mates playing well together, having fun, mm. and so that that actually helps with team harmony and cohesion. Um, so you know that's it's positive. And we've spoken about every week for the past you know since he's come in and really solidified his spot, the jobs that he's done on the upper echelon of you know halfbacks. Oh, sorry, you know the. You know that type of distributor role coming yeah. off the halfback from from you know bottom ten teams and top eight teams, but he's done a job on all of them. You know, right. and he did Nick Dacos in the prelim, so twice now, twice high now, five. Yeah, yeah. Look, the next storyline: Gordon, Logan, McInerney, Blakey, in unbelievable talents in all of these little key areas who are lovely kids signing on for long contracts, all saying the best things about everything, saying that they love the team, they love the culture, they love everything that's happening at the game. And each one of them is dangerous as hell. They are babies. They are going to the big stage for the first time in their young, young careers, and we are blessed to see it. And there's a bunch more we could rattle off, but they're not playing this week. But we are. they are a big part of the core of under 22s of just why we're going to I'll add be Stevens so to that. I'll add Stevens to that because right. he's, he's, he's in the midst sure. there and he's been playing Unreal in the past um, six weeks as well. Pretty much right. since he and Clark and Fox came in, just those three guys have just been super, super role players yep. and um, big reason to why we've done so well in the run home. Unbelievable. Look, mate, what do you say about the team is generally our, our journey from where we've been from last year as well throughout this entire season to where we are now into a grand final against the most dominant team of the year and the Cats. Like we, we, we've we been really, really blessed just to have this team, this unit, and just slowly form themselves into a whole cohesive unit over the, over the season. We've watched it happen. We've documented it it's been just a journey and i just want to sit back for a moment and just enjoy it to be honest with you just really enjoy where we've gotten to right now i understand there's one more game to play one more game to win but for where we stand uh just just fascinated by what's going on we're super happy definitely mate um it is yeah what do you say i'm just uh it's a nerve-wracking week isn't it because um you know, we're, we're the high of the uh the Pies game, and now we've we're, it's all ahead of us. So oh, it's so um, one more week, but you you got to be in it to win it, and here we are. So um, we've got a couple of comments here about um, the you know the I guess the how, how both teams have run over the past decade. Why don't we pick up on that in mm-hmm. um, the next couple of sections? We we'll just remember to come back to some of these, but. Before that, mate, why don't we touch on strengths and weaknesses? So we're going to have a bit of a general rolling chat about the uh, the game style of both teams, some players, what they're good at, what they're not good at. So let's kick off with Geelong. When Geelong, you know, when you think of Geelong in 2022, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I just think of absolutely dominant forwards. Yeah. Yep. Just, just cleaning people up like Tom Hawkins, AA captain. Um, yeah, question mark. Question mark. You know, um, questionable. Like, questionable, rather. It was yeah. factually correct, but I mean, I guess it was like giving Buddy captain of the AA at, uh, when when they did. But. When that happened, yeah. Mm. Look, Cameron again, all uh, all Australian, right? Stengel, all Australian. Like yep. three powerhouse units at the front. 
two of these absolute veterans and you know, the best in their craft in most years, and they've just been able to team together up with this discount that somehow Geelong gets. I don't know where their cola is. I don't know how this works itself out. Do you want me to get my tinfoil hat back out, mate? Get it, get it, go get it. Nah, nah, I'd say, I'm just going to say, <laughs> I just think there's like a lot of um, post-career uh, opportunities in the Geelong region. And whether that's, um, you know, down at the surf shack, down on the coast or <laughs> inland on the farm, yeah. I just think there's a lot of post-career opportunities. dairy farms, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, good on them though. Good on them. They look, after oh, their, they look after their own. They do. They do. And they manage to get all these players. And so you look at what, what do you think of when you think of Geelong? Not only those dominant forwards, you also think fantastic backs, incredible mids, you know, Selwood, like, you know, Guthrie, Patrick Dangerfield, like, Wow, Isaac Smith, like they I mean, are beaming with talents everywhere. They are. They've got a lot of experience, and and the players, some of the players you just listed out, they fit into this ten over thirty. So mm. they've the almost you know um, half of their team, uh, yeah, almost almost half. Right. So we're looking at Blitzarves, Dangerfield, Guthrie, Hawkins, Rowan, Selwood, Smith. Uh, that's Isaac Smith, Stanley, Tui. And then two players who were 29, Stuart and Cameron. So, you know, they've just got so much experience. And these are the guys that are, I mean, they're not even the guys that are, are, are pushing them forward. They're just, they're just rounding it out. You know, I, 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 I want to think that their balance is, is wrong and that they've got, they're too, um, you know, experience heavy, hmm. but it's clearly working for them for all, you know, we went through the recap, um, w- you know, we've touched on, you know their their success over the over the journey, um, but you know if we go to game style, so you think of um, forward dominance. Yeah, yeah, I think of forward dominance and just I think well, I actually think of just quality all around the ground. I'd look mm. at mm. Tom Stewart AA. Um, you look at Bitsavs AA. You look at uh, Jeremy Cameron Stengel and Hawkins AA is all amongst those three. You see. And then you throw in extra few names amongst the mix here. I just mentioned them a second ago. You know, Duncan, um, Guthrie, um, Patrick Dangerfield, Reece Stanley, um, uh, Zach Tui, Sam DeConing. Like the, every name on that I'm naming out are one of the best in what they do in their position. And they just have quality across everything. They don't. It's really hard for us to kind of work out where a weak spot is in this team. They just mm. that way put together. Yeah, and, and look, it's um, it's hard to sort of know. Yeah, because I mean, they, they weren't like they obviously blew the comp away, and they were two, they won by two, whatever it was two two games ahead and a huge percentage. But they did have a few of those extra games against the lower ranked teams, but it didn't really matter because that was you know they were pretty consistent. You know they 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 knew how to put teams away. They knew how to if they were going to lose, they were going to lose close. And I just keep putting it back to that that core of experience. And it's all clicking, you know. There's two ways it can go with with an an older core is that you you have injuries, so then you've got to fill that with up and comers, um, or you can stick together, have a good run with in, uh, you know lack of run with injuries, and and it all gels. And I think that's what seems to be happening, um, you know. So maybe maybe we can blend some of their um, you know some of their past glories into this section that we're talking about right now mate so mm. i think you were you you had a couple of those points there 
um, about there being the best clubs. So what have we got um, there? Yeah, look, you, you would say that, look, I've, I've seen it around. And I personally believe it, but I've also seen a bunch of people writing it as well. With Geelong and the Swans as two of the best clubs in terms of just consistency, not only just like what they do on the field in terms of you know, premierships and finals berths and you know, going deep into September, but also just the way that the club is run, their ability to uh, support their players, their support of the fans, um, and the quality of the output you get from them, and and we don't we haven't matched each other in a grand final. What? How long? I I, I don't even know when. I'm, I saw something ever. about 136 years. Something may have happened a right. long time ago. So let's like, just say never, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not in the last, let, let's just use the VFL <laughs> analogy. If it's not during the AFL period, <laughs> no, let's not do that. We'll piss off a lot of people. <laughs> but it, they they we had never played each other. So have these two modern powerhouses. Um, together to finally play each other in the grand final it is mm. brilliant like it's a, such a special moment i'm really looking forward to this just 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 i think the afl it's good for the afl i think um just to showcase what clubs can do in two different we've done it two different ways and now we're at the same dance together and listen they can't complain too much because at least there's one victorian team in in the mix <laughs> um you know i'm sure they would have rather the the collingwood Geelong final because then they could have really squeezed every last dollar out and yeah. shut out all the the members. Well, maybe not the members. Eighty yeah. percent um, of them would have been Collingwood members somehow. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, um, Buddy versus Selwood. That's an interesting one. Yeah, battle of the iconic champions. So what was it? Fourteen years after their first grand final encounter, mm-hmm. um, Buddy got the chocolates. I think that's right. The Hawthorne got mm-hmm. over um, Geelong that day. So what's the record? So we're, we're quoting useless AFL stats here that we saw on some of the socials. Um, 14 years ago, Joel Selwood and Geelong with Geelong and Lance Franklin with Hawthorne ran on to the MCG for the grand final as the second youngest and seventh youngest players on the ground. This Saturday, they'll be two, will be the two oldest players on the ground and set a new VAFL record uh, for longest time between a grand final rematch between two individuals. That's pretty cool. That's brilliant. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, um, so all right. What are we? What, what are our strengths and weaknesses? I mean, we we touched. We sort of did this format for the prelim, this sort of extended preview, and um, we touched on our own strengths and weaknesses. But we may as well do it again here. Hmm. Um, so, you know, Look, what do we need to? How do we need to play? I guess to to match the strengths and weaknesses of Geelong. Well, we know what our play style is. It's like high pressure. Uh, around the ground, you know, tackle pressure, um, trying to trying to force them to make decisions quickly, get the ball moving fast, um, you know, get them to drop the ball, you know, errant handballs. And I think what we saw, the, the good news is that we saw a similar play style against them, you know, very recently with Geelong and um, the Magpies playing them in the qualifying final where the Pies got off to a good start and eventually lost the game by a sh- like a small amount, by what, six points, I think, or so. So we don't – we have a genuine look at what how that game put, was put together and that we can apply the same kind of pressure, if not better, being that we're better at doing that particular pressure. Um, and I think we actually have a better structure once we get our hands on the ball. We don't have one – speed we've got multiple speeds we've got multiple ways that we can kind of use it so um i think we know what our game plan is and i think it actually falls into a good space in that we we 
do know it can be effective against the Cats, despite the Cats being having all this talent around the ground and being really well coached. I think we do have a chance to do on that. Yeah. I think, like, going back to your point about, um, you know, their forward dominance, their top three goal kickers, Hawkins, Cameron and Stangle, 64, 63, 49, that's a total of 176 goals. We don't even match that with our top four. Buddy, 52, Heaney, 48, Haywood, 33, Papley, 31. But when you go on to the next uh, contributors, you know, they've got Brad Close on 24, Gaz Rowan on 14, Myers, 13, Max Holmes, who's touch and go, 13, Smith, 12, Guthrie, 11. You know, and then we've got, I think, more... um, Contributors. So we've got Chad, 18, Errol, 18, Sammy Reid, who's 50-50, 18, Logan, 15, Parker, 14, and McLean, who's um, potentially in the mix, 10. So I think um, coupled with your points about, you know, our pressure game, our, um, you know, ability to, you know, win the ball, but also use the ball well, kick well, we've got to maintain that avenues to goal. And I, I think that comes with – that's off the back of pressure, I think, because, you know, we just pressure teams, we force the turnover, we get an intercept, and, you know, depending on um, where the ball's coming from in the field, you know, we've, you know we've, we've found ways to score. And obviously I think we just need to keep that up. Yeah, um, like they have over 50% of their goals uh, are scored by those three main players. Those yeah, are there Australians. you go. Yep. So well, yep. we, it's, we take four of those players to get to the same number with Papley being the one that kind of rolls on in. And on, on top of all of this, I think earlier in the year, it was even worse than that. I think it was close to like 60-something percent of their goals scored by the three. So this has only been a stat that they've kind of turned in the last, I'd say, like eight weeks or so, I think the last time I had a look at it, maybe nine weeks. So... It's it's something important, I think, to factor in. If you can shut one of those two players down, or preferably two of them, um, then you've got a good good chance. I think you've got a good chance of at least stifling how they can score. I mean, don't get me wrong. You've got guys like Dangerfield who can pop up and score wherever he is. He looked good against the Lions, man. He looked really. He looked like his prime at the right time. Mm. But and, and Stengel's a really hard matchup. You know, Myers is a hard matchup. Close to hard matchup. Any of those small forwards are tough for the Swans. I think mm. we don't quite have those guys to run with them necessarily as often. Mm. But. We, we we do have a good strong chance of being able to just shut, shut some of them down. So I think our strength is the McCartan brothers. Tom probably sits on Cameron. Mm. Uh, Paddy probably sits on Hawkins. Um, just being the Hawkins doesn't, you know, the leads are a bit shorter for the most part. Mm. Um, and maybe we've got a chance. Maybe we've got a chance to run with them. Yeah, look, I think, who was who it? I think it was... Um... When we played Carlton, that was the day that that was probably the only real toweling that Tommy McCartan got this year. When um, Harry McKay That's got right, a, yeah. got a, got away, no, or was it Kerno? I think it was Kerno. Yeah, Kerno kicked a couple multiple goals. But other than that, like Tommy McCartan is always thereabouts. You know, he if he does get beaten, he makes up for it the next time. You know, and and if he, mm. you know, he gets a lot of lot of support from the likes of Paddy Rampy and even Blakey comes over with the spoil. So, you know, I think. I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic that we've got what it takes to to shut these guys down. Cameron is, um, yeah, I think he's kind of a bit of an X factor there. Obviously, Stengel yeah. is like by definition the X factor because he can kick it from anywhere. 
um, and he's just got freakish abilities. Um, but but Hawkins gets around the ground a fair bit. Sorry, not Hawkins. So Cameron gets around the ground a yeah, fair bit, doesn't exactly. he? Exactly. Yeah. So that's the. I think he's the one we've really got to look um, at, and maybe someone like um, you know Foxy rolls onto him because he's got that aerobic ability, but. I'm just going to go back to my point earlier about their core being that sort of, um, you know, experience heavy. And, um, you know, they've got 163 games on average. They've got about 28 years on average across their, um, you know, 22, 23. Whereas I think we, and this is sort of my point here is that, you know, our strengths, and this is more about coaching and list management. I think we actually have a good balance in, in our squad at the moment. So we've got, um, you know, um, 117, 118 games on average, about 25. But if you look at our age brackets, we've got seven players in that 28 plus. We've got uh, Fox, Franklin, Hickey, Lloyd, Parker, Rampy, Reed. Again, Reed 50-50, we're waiting. In that middle bracket, 23, 27, we've got seven. And this is really, um, you know, the new core, Clark, Florent, Oh, sorry, the um, established young core, let's call them, Clark, Florent, Hayward, Heaney, Paddy McCartan, Mills, Papley, and potentially Amadi or McLean. And then in that 22 and under, Blakey, Campbell, Goulden, Tommy, McCartan, McDonald, McInerney, Rowbottom, Stevens, Warner. So we've actually got the most in our youngest bracket, but that we also have a lot of X factor and a lot of, reasons why we've done so well this year in that bracket as well so um that's a good point there Nadia, because i think mm. a, a big part of that is also is that our our ability to finish a game in fitness mm. and, and the, the, the ability for mm. these young players to just keep running all day long mm. to the fourth quarter deep into the fourth quarter is perhaps a big part of our game as well yeah. against the cats i think we can outrun them we can outdo them they look they looked a bit gas in the fourth quarter maybe that was the week off but no, the Cats also had a week off. So we're, we've got one game in amongst us both. Um, and perhaps we can have these young kids kind of outrun them in that fourth quarter and do what we've done all year, which is, you know, win that fourth quarter, win the third and fourth quarter just from effort, basically, just genuine mm. effort. So, okay, let's go back to – let's have a quick chat about the the teams. And we've already touched on a few matchups um, in the forward line. But so if we – um, so the Geelong forward line, sorry. Who um, who does Clark go on? Like, who is their big? Who's their ball user out of defence? This is yeah. something we're, we're trying to re- we're chatting about before we started recording. But um, like, who, who who will Clark go on? Yeah, because they don't seem to have that one player that's dangerous. They're sort of all dangerous, aren't they? Yeah, like in, they, in their own way. In their own way, they all can move the ball really well, um, and they're all kind of athletic and they're all kind of big size. To be fair, like mm. um, maybe ex- except Zathri, but um, which is not not so much of a factor. Um, to be fair, but uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I, it's kind of do you sit him on someone there? Or I I thought of Isaac Smith personally because he's a good ball user. He runs all day. It's a big part of his game. He runs from the back all the way forward. Um, and just like few people can run with him, basically, if any, if anyone. So I wonder maybe if it's if, worthwhile kind of keeping a track of him. Yeah, I just wonder if he's if he gets stuck on the wing because he's sort of you know iconically that wing that wing role. Mm. If um, you know Juzzy's had Langdon, Josh Dacos in the past you know three weeks, I wonder if he gets him or Stevens has a crack with him as well, yeah, or or, or, if or the, Duncan you know, if it, yeah. or Duncan, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, Zach Tui, um, I think you may have mentioned there, was uh, so it's his 250th game. Uh, I think they were saying um, that Hodge, Luke Hodge is the only other player to achieve their 250th in the grand final. Of course, we've got um, our Lloydie's got his 200th coming up next week. So we've got some reasons to potentially celebrate as well. Thank you very much, Geelong. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, look, I... When you look at their back line, Tui, De Koenig, Buse, Kolodjajny, I think I'm saying that right, Jack Henry, Tom Stewart, and Zach Guthrie. So it's a good mix. It's a tall mix. Mm-hmm. Um, that De Koenig, he's young and he's had an absolute blinder, hasn't he, this year? Yeah. He's, he's going to probably sit on Buddy. Um, yeah. And he's, he's going to – look, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty big unit for being such a young guy. But, mm. yeah. And, and Tom Stewart, I think, is, is unbelievable. He's – probably the best utility player in the game, um, can do everything. He can go up and stay on the ground. He can, you know, find his man. He can get in, get involved in a rebound. Mm. He's, he's got a bit of everything about him. So he's a really, really tough matchup. And you don't know who you would sit on him because he just – he kind of gets himself free and, mm. and that's kind of his big part of his game. He, I reckon he's their Dane Rampey. You know, he's that VFL entrant. He's that sort of mm. – chilled kind of somewhat like sort of hipster surfer type vibe seems yeah. like a pretty cool guy um you know but came to the came to the pro league late um but has more than made up for it in his um you know ability and 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 the award that he's he's gotten for that but mm. yeah he's going to be a key player definitely yeah. a key player and we don't want to do those silly entries where we just long we bomb long and because he he and sam de Koenig will just pick us off pick will just they'll just it'll be you know, like a field day for them. They'll just the good, intercept yeah. all day. The good news is one or two things there. Buddy has learned how to take overhead marks, as we found out <laughs> last week, some contested marks. Only, uh, if the, only if he gets the mismatch. Uh, that's right, maybe, only if he gets the maybe. mismatch. Yeah, maybe it was. It may not yeah. going up. But um, but also we, we've had plenty of experience in, in not just bombing it through um, – the no, the demons are a big the team that we've we've beaten in the qualifier and that's what a big part of their game and we 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 I think the first uh, quarter we were falling into that trap and then we kind of configured it out and and worked our way around that and started finding more opportunity to go from different angles and from out of the centers and stuff so I think we do have an opportunity to do something with it we've been we know how not to just bomb it into their favor because you know they're big guys and it's a bit of a mismatch for mm. us in that mm. back line there yeah I mean okay so midfields um we sort of touched on um I think that the cats um pretty similar to my point I made about the pies last last week was that the? I think the most of the danger will come from their uh, more experienced core, Pendle, Bree, Side Bottom, um, Crisp, and um, to a lesser extent, Degoe. And three out, of, three out of four, I think it was correct with those. Degoe, I think he only had twelve touches, but they're even more um, pronounced as we've already made points here. Um, you know, their midfield is so experienced. They've got mm. a Blitzarvs, who's effectively a, a ruck. But he's playing as a midfielder, but he can play wing and key defender. Yep. Like he's like Mister Fix It for them. Yep. Right? If there's a problem in the field, just send him down that way. Just send basically. him, and yep. he'll and he'll do it. Yeah, um, it's kind of similar to a Heaney kind of person for us. Um, yeah, although he's certainly Heaney, got that aerobic uh, ability. Yeah, he, he's a massive unit. He can just run all day, can't he? Yeah. So he's he's one we're going to watch. Um, 
Max Holmes, um, yeah, we're still waiting to hear if he's coming through. Reese Stanley, yeah, look, he's probably their role player, but mm. to you know, to their credit, they've you know they've they've backed him in. Mm. I think at times that Radagolia was Radagolia, yeah, was was um, looked at, and um, you know Stanley's held his spot, so good on him. Dangerfield, yeah. Guthrie, Selwood, Atkins, Duncan, so. Hmm. Look, Atkins is a beast. He's the one who gets all their tackles. He's mm. he's going to be the one that's going to be probably sitting on a Warner or um, I don't know Parks. Probably not Parks. Parks can shed him, but yeah, whoever's going to be more dangerous out of the center, so Papley or Warner, you're going to have Atkins running on him. So mm. just prepare for that. That's what he does. He does a good job of it. He sat on Neil, just absolutely shut Neil down. Um, Neil's a bull man. <laughs> Neil's an absolute beast, but. Atkins had his number, so you can mm. do that. So that that'd be a good one. That'd be a good one to see. Um, what do we What do we say about Selwood, mate? Like, well, um, so I mean, yeah, he's got a lot of um, personal accolades and stats, but he's that he's probably like that Papley type player where you know um, everyone kind of hates him, but you'd love if he's on your team. Like mm. he's um, he will become um, the. He will jump into number one for most finals played next week. So another little accolade for them. So he'll overtake Michael Tuck, the Hawthorne champion, um, on the currently equal uh, first with 39 appearances, and it will be his 40th uh, finals appearance. Um, And, of course, we made mention of the 2007 um, um, final with Buddy and him. Was it seven or eight? Uh, Seven. Check. Seven, yeah. So, yeah, he is. Uh, I th- I like to think he's the original Ginevan rule. Um, he is the <laughs> one who really invented how to lift how, an arm and duck yeah. into a tackle. How it's not called the the the, the, the Selwood tackle or the Selwood move when you lift your shoulder and to cop a hit in the head and then go get taped and don't do a concussion test, come back out again. I mean, how yeah. that's not under his name blows my mind. But he's done it. He's been successful at it. Chris needs to move on. I mean, they call him. <laughs> good on you, mate. I love it. They call him Mr. Bump, right? So he's uh, yeah, he certainly bleeds for the cats. And you know, um, I think they took him on as a risk early on. They were, he had an, a knee injury, ACL in his draft year, but he's more than paid them back, obviously. So um, danger player. He's like Selwood. Uh, sorry, he's like Pendlebury for them. You know, like mm. he's just he's 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 rocking on. So, he, doesn't, he doesn't move as much these days. But neither does Pendles, right? Yeah. But um, they impact. found a way. Yeah. yeah, they found a way to impact. I mean, you know, I was, we were all hoping that we'd see something similar out of um, Joey, but Joey's mm. just a, such an inside ball and that's all he knows. Um, mm. um, and unfortunately, the hammies have kind of taken his toll on him. But Oh, the, that's a story. That's a shame. Oh, I think I we're all sort of holding out that oh, maybe oh, he yeah, could hang right. around for Medi sub for the grand final. Wouldn't that be a storyline? And like, then it was only, what, like last week, last I week, think. Yeah, yeah, we heard that he'd done it again because he was, yeah. abs- from all accounts, he was pushing himself <clears> to the limit to try to get on, to have a chance at the grand final um, and unfortunately pull the other one. Again, mm, devastating, but he's yeah. uh, you know the ultimate club man, and he's going to be there for everyone and cheering everyone on, probably from the bench or very close to it. So, you know, we've got that um, you know strength uh, of knowledge. But um, Brad Close, I just want to flag, he kicked four, I think, in the game against us last time, and we right. might be talking about that in a moment. But he can get off the chain, so they've got these small forwards, him, Stangles, we've already touched on Myers with his unique kicking action. 
you know, our small backs that we uh, we know. We've got Lloydie, Florent and Fox. Even Rampy could run on. But these guys we really need to be careful of, um, especially Stangle, um, because of their ability to score and to hurt. So... We've said we've said all of this, and we've managed to not talk about Patrick Dangerfield too much. Like, <laughs> or Gary Rowan, the X One. Oh, the X One guy. Like Dangerfield is a freak, and they've managed him this year. If you mm. know, like they they've he's not played for pockets of a time, and basically he's just they've been very upfront about it. Like, yeah, we're managing him. He's we want to make sure that he's okay, and and he doesn't get the time on the ground. But it's all about managing his body for the right time, and. Considering what we saw last week against the the Lions, oof, he's a scary unit. Mm. The big boy, and he's fucking quick. So I don't know what we're going to do with that. Like he's a very very hard person to match up with. Like mm. you, putting a body on him was one thing that you can do with Neil, but then you got to run with him, and not many people can. Very few can. Yeah, because he's he's got that um, dangerous mix of size and speed still, even for his mm. age, and. You know, I, I'm, I'm. This is a, a challenge to Chad Warner. Um, I want him to out Dangerfield. Dangerfield. I want he. <laughs> I want him to be the one bursting out of the center square and and kicking goals from the fifty meter arc. But yeah, I mean, how do you stop a Dangerfield that's on fire? Um, I guess it's just a mix of Mills, Rowie, and Parker, kind of like what we did against the Pies. Yeah, it's 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 probably putting people in the way, traffic. Yeah, um, it's the only way to slow yeah. him down. So yeah, Rowie Mills kind of playing like a bit of a sweeper. Um, that that that's the only way to make him look sideways, basically. Mm. Um, and then there's no other way. Once he gets rolling, if you're uh, half a foot behind him, that he's off. Like this, he's having a shot at goal. So well, yeah, that's mm. all about yeah, getting traffic in front of him. One thing I've noticed about about um, danger is that he um he tends to play up the niggles he has i don't know if he'll do it in the grand final but you know he there's always a lot of attention when something happens to his body and um you know i think it's just because he's so hard at the contest um that he's always putting himself in that you know that path of danger sorry danger field there we go that was my i think that was my first dad joke and that's pretty good for me that's right we didn't Um, even have one last episode that's right i did a whole episode without a dad joke Crazy. Oh, let's um, go back and do it again. Let's do it. Re-record. So two um, o'clock in the morning. Let's go. Oh goodness. But yeah. So I I wonder. You know, if there's that element. You know, like if he picks up a niggle, is he gonna? You know, is the is the danger show gonna roll on? You know, mm. like woe is me. It's all about me. It can be like that. Yeah. He's a wonderful body's player. A temple. Body's a temple. Is that kind of vibe? You know. Yeah. So I'm not saying we go out there and just you know injure him to, to get him out of the game. But if he picks up something like that organically through. Um, gameplay, how much of that is going to, you know, um, detract from his, you know, potential to impact. And obviously as a Swan, uh, mm. a Swans fan, I um, I know which which I'm scenario okay I'd prefer. Yeah, but um, <laughs> Cameron Guthrie, I think, is their highest disposal getter. I think he's yeah. had like five or 600. Like he's up there in the top 10 or so for disposal. So he, the guy's a bit of a ball magnet and he yeah. can use it very, very well off yeah. both feet. Super so, talented guy, unbelievably yeah. talented guy, and it, it gets him, it gets him, it gets his run. He runs a lot. He gets to contest. He gets mm-hmm. opportunity at the ball. Like he's, yeah, he, he's kind of like I imagine. I kind of put him with Millsy kind of, kind of line where he's always available wherever you need mm-hmm. him. He's always available to get his hands on the ball and kind of get it moving again. So he's he, he just yeah, always reminds me of Tim Minchin. You know that comedian oh, yeah, musician, dead ringer for him with his um that blonde 
He's got dreadies, right? Is it dreadies or is it just, is is it just genuine just... not washed? <laughs> uh, Cameron Guthrie, wash your hair, mate. All right. <laughs> no. Yeah. no, you're right, mate. No, yeah. So, okay. So that's the midfield. We've mm. spoken about the forwards. We've spoken about the backs. Um, our forwards. Hmm. I mean, who do, who do you mm. see? Okay. So I guess, do we want to talk about the Sam Reid situation? Yeah, okay, let's do that here. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Well, um, so as we uh, mentioned, he's 50-50. Uh, word is they're going to leave it right up until game day to make the call. Those in line for potentially, if we're replacing him like for like for the role that he provides, those that have been in, dis- in discussion for potential replacement are uh, Hayden McLean, Joel Amati, and even Cal Sinclair has been in the mix. <sighs> So if we choose to, and of course we have to, we can't consider uh, the big bad lad because he's still serving his punishment from that brain fade against Wo Woden in the in the game against the Casey Demons. And I'm a little bit bummed that the the club didn't sort of go to bat for him and maybe try and get him down, get him down from three to two or three mm-hmm. to one. Because he would have been a pretty handy. <laughs> yeah, like the, you know, you know what it is that these days with the AFL, you ask the question, they just bend over straight away. So, like, I don't understand yeah. why we didn't. But yeah, maybe we didn't think we we're going to get this far in. I don't know. Yeah, or, or or they wanted, they actually genuinely wanted to teach him a bit of a, less, a lesson and say, you know, they probably weren't predicting that we'd go this far because it was still a couple of, you know, it was four, four or so, five weeks ago, mm. four, four or five weeks ago. But um. Yeah, it's certainly, um, you know, there might have been an element of, well, mate, you know, you made your bed lie in it, but um, yeah, you can't say. help but feel he would be a pretty handy, you know, pot- potential sub at this point. Yeah. I, would if it, Okay, would he have been the walk-in for Sam Reid in that I th- case, in your I th- mind? I think so, given the fact mm. that he can, well, he's clearly, you know, capable in the ruck um, and he can play forward. But has he been doing that better? Than the likes of McLean and Amadi and even Sinclair in in the resis, mm-hmm. um, probably not because he hasn't really been. I think he's been in the ruck, right? He's been in the ruck. He hasn't been playing too much. Yeah, forward. there's a couple of games where he's he's kicked a few, um, yeah. and he's got yeah. he's got disposals and stuff. But in terms in terms of consistency, um, mm. you'd probably say that in terms of forward crafts anyway, Amadi's kind of had that wrapped up. He's probably. Well, he's, he's been like one of the best in the VFL and he's kicked mm. the most amount of goals of the Swans there um, of those big well, men. So, yeah. In the AFL, he's kicked five um, with his limited opportunities. This is mm. uh, party. Um, but, yeah, I think he's one of the leading goal kickers for us in the VFL. I know I was tracking his stats when he was coming in and out of the AFL team and he'd kicked whatever it was, you know, 14 over three weeks or something. Like he was getting bags um, consistently there for a while. Mm. Um, and when he was kicking uh, a lot, Hayden McLean wasn't. But then when Party wasn't, Hayden was. So, mm. you know, I think it might have been one. It's like that kind of buddy um, Logan, Logan type McCarthy. dynamic, yeah, mm. where, you know, one becomes the target and the other has a bit of a field day. So I th- I tend to think if we're going to go out on a limb on the on the podcast now and say, you know, who is it, you know, and obviously we want Reedy to recover. We want him there because he's definitely yeah. the number one choice. Um, but if he's any doubt, then I would suggest not playing him and then putting in probably my hunch is McLean, given the fact that he's been in the emergencies more recently. Yeah. 
Even I, though Amadi was last in was was in the AFL side more recently than than McLean. I I agree with you. I think from a structure perspective and what he brings to the game. Um, what do we? I guess what do we? What do we miss with Reedy? We miss like. We missed the proper marks, contest, contested contest, marks, yeah. contests, getting hands onto the ball, dropping it in front of the forwards. Great That's tackle what, effort as well. Like how good's his defense yeah. been this year? Yeah, when he's like, when he's huge. played sole ruck. Like remember that game he got like ten tackles and ten tackles, 15, three goals, fifteen contested positions. I guess the demons. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think McLean makes a bit more sense in that sense, just because of what he does in the air is a bit better. Mm. Um, but one thing we did notice about McLean, this was early on, this is when he was kind of a regular in, was that he sometimes went into a contest when a contest didn't need to be made. So if you had, you know, Logan and Reedy going up, then McLean came in as the third. And just like, that's that's actually not what you need to do. You need to time it a bit better. Mm. And that's where the guys like Haywood and Reedy are so clever. They were pick their time and only <clears throat> only get involved and know they can impact um, and just do things like that. So that's the only reason I'm a little bit soft on him. But mm, that's I'd experience. Say, I reckon that's experience yeah, though, because and this is for sure. This is the this is the point that some Swans fans have made is that do you throw a curveball and bring Cal Sinclair in because he's he's got the experience. He has been toiling away in the in in the VFL. Um, he's been you know. He didn't make the VFL team of the year like Amadi Gould and Taylor did, but you know he's been you know the the consummate clubman again. He's um, announced his retirement, but is this sort of like a you know that sort of final farewell where he comes up and plays a role? Because yeah. he he might be he might have the the the, the requisite um, experience to know when to attack a pack and when not. Um, whereas the younger you know the younger McLean and Amadi might just go at everything you know and 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 you know that might might work sometimes but as you're saying it might not work every time so yeah it's true mm. amadi amadi <clears throat> throws his body into it like we've seen it like he throws himself at it it looks great mm. spoil like just just destroys a pack but um he's not getting his hands on it as much as we'd probably want that that mm. someone like a reedy can do and i think mclean has that a bit more of him but yeah sinclair kind of does a bit of both like you're right maybe i'm just a bit concerned that his mad monday might have been a little bit too mad like <laughs> how, how's his how's his fitness like uh, two yeah. weeks into retirement like two he's weeks been, is not he, long a time but yeah. it is a long time in terms of like pure um, afl level fitness it's fitness, a long time yeah. for sure he's been in the emergencies as well um recently um you know at least certainly for the last two games mm-hmm. um and so i don't know if that means that they were preparing for you know either hickey and or reed to have mm-hmm. two tools because it was it's been sinclair Mc, mclean gould and campbell and obviously the medi sub for the pers- the past two the final series has been campbell both times but it certainly looks like they were, they'd been planning for it. But I'm not suggesting that Cal is the choice or is is my choice. Um, and in fact, I, for what it's worth, I, I think I, I genuinely think Amadi is the better ruck option. Mm. Um, McLean has definitely played ruck before, uh, not this year. I think it was last year and the year before they've thrown him in. Um, certainly at times, and I've thought. Uh, I think it was the year when Naismith went down for his second ACL and, and Cal Sinclair was the key ruck. And then I think McLean was chopping out. And at, at that time, I thought McLean was a better ruck than Cal Sinclair. So um, so some Swans fans are saying that, you know, mm. um, Amadi's a better ruck, um, but yeah, as you're saying, Cal, um, Hayden McLean's a better probably contested mark and you know, um, a more confident goal kicker. But... Um, I will say for McLean in McLean's defense, 
he is a very good runner. And Steve-O made this point last week, uh, sorry, last year on, on the podcast. When you look at his GPS numbers, he's running as much as a midfielder. He's doing 14, mm. 15 kilometers. He's busting his ass up and down the, the wing. Um, he's sort of, I guess he was playing like that Logan McDonald role, that that third tall but sort of helping out in, with the pressure to, to create a turnover. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really worried about his his fitness or his speed. Like I've seen some fans comment on on some of the the, the groups, but yeah. we're having no. a long conversation for a hypothetical here. But it, it's very important. It's going to because you know as we've already noted, Geelong's a tall team. They've got some really dangerous tall players, oh, yeah. and, and Reedy is such an important matchup for us. Exactly in that, in that line on both on both sides of the of the register and the back line and the and the forwards and. And we saw what happened to our structure when he left against the Pies. Yeah. We saw just, no, no, I wouldn't say a total collapse of what was happening, but we definitely saw a massive hole um, show itself and we barely held on to put that together. So it's such an important role. Reedy, if not Reedy, the first two names that came out of the, out of the mix immediately were Amadi and McLean. From what I've seen around, most people kind of edging towards Amadi. And so, like I'm saying, like a 55 to 45 percent going for Amadi, but yeah, throwing Cal Sinclair in there, Noddy, that's not a bad one. That is not mm. a bad little. Oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was it was someone on the on the groups, and I, mm. to be honest, I hadn't considered it, but it's probably the closest like for like. If you think about like, yeah, what you're saying, Reedy brings to us mm. um, in terms of not just the role. Um, but the the experience as well, because mm. that's the other thing. If you if we lose a player like him, then our you know we our average age gets younger. So um, and that's the kind of thing that is not not the not the only thing to think about. Um, but you know, it sort of is is in the mix for your thoughts of um, you know how you you structure up for a grand final. But um, what, what about get letting someone like uh, Haywood just get loose? Um, and because you know he, he's great in the air, good contested marker, very clever, knows the times it really well. Are you well. saying put him in as the ruck, a second ruck, or well, kind of maybe not so much that, but put him in as the the swing man to kind of go around to kind of get, let him get a bit loose. And so then who do you, you but have, who do you bring in for? You have like someone like an Amadi who's we know can it, it kicks goals to just sit forward more and then play at a double ruck option when you need it. Okay, so Amadi is your replacement, but you're making a st- structural change on the to the on the to the to the on the field. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, look, I I I quite like Amadi. I think he's, um, yeah. Look, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I I honestly don't know. Um, obviously, I think you know we've made it very clear our first preference is um, that Reedy recovers and he and he plays. But my position also is if there's any doubt, like mm. if he's not a hundred percent. Then I probably wouldn't play him, but yeah, yeah. you know I'm not the coach, and you don't have to look at him in the face and tell him that. So, um, <laughs> which is you know gutting, obviously. But um, anyway, it's going to be interesting one to watch. Um, I reckon Adams. we should. Yeah, I know. I reckon we should roll on to head to head, mate. Um, yep. So let's have a look at our past five games. So um, heading back to our furthest away, 2019. Um, Geelong beat us by 22 at their home. 2019, uh, further in the season, we beat them by 27 SCG. 2020, they beat us by six up in the Gold Coast. 
2021, we beat them by two at the SCG. And then 2022, we beat them by 30 in Buddy's game. So that is two, three to Geelong and two to us. If mm-hmm. you're the types that like following the the past five. And um, I think what we're also going to say here um, is we're going to look at the last game mm-hmm. so that we just touched on. Um, and we've spoken about it a little bit throughout. Um, but yeah, I think my point earlier was it's a little bit hard to get a read on them that night, but just cause it was such an emotionally charged and, um, just a crazy night that night. It was, it was and it, it was a very different team that mm. was playing from both, both sides. It's in the structure was very different and the, the game plan was kind of different. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, the emotions were running high and the crowd was in it and every time that buddy went on a lead, the, the crowd went nuts, you know, so uh, yeah, it's kind of it's a hard one to put together. I mean, Heaney kicked five goals. He got loose, and I think that's when we started really seeing Heaney's going to do some special stuff, and Buddy got the four goals. Um, Millsy with 29 touches. So I guess the players that needed to play were playing on that day, mm. but there's not – I don't really know what else to take away from it. I mean, looking at, at the Geelong side, Guthrie with eight tackles, Selwood uh, with 25 disposals, um, Isaac Smith with 23 disposals. Um, and Dangerfield with six clearances, still with mm. five clearances. Um, all of these numbers and what I'm suggesting here is not unusual for any part of the game, any game that they would play throughout the year. Um, so I guess they, 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 their players were playing their particular roles, doing it well, doing what they need to do. Brad Close was an interesting one. Four goals which was massive for him mm. um and 10 score involvements for the night mm. so he kind of got a bit loose there um maybe we had the other twos pinned down and so he was the last one to kind of get going um and didn't have enough focus on him mm. um but yeah it's a it's a bit of a tricky one isn't it not either what, what do we take away from all of this yeah look i don't know mate it's it's hard because you know, and the other thing is um, when we look at when when we've played them and where we've played them, because we're both, you know, effectively regional teams, um, obviously with, with long histories, but Geelong being based in the country, um, you know, in comparison to Metro Metro Vic and us being, you know, one of the northern clubs, we're, we're either playing at their home ground or our home ground. And, of course, you know, their home ground has been consistent, it's had a lot of different names. Um, I like to call it Cardinia because it's in their song, um, but it's got a, a fancy acronym at the moment. Um, and ours is the SCG and should have always been, but of course there was that little bit of a um, you know run at uh, Homebush there for a while. But basically since 1980, um, we've only played the Cats at the MCG twice. And, and for that reason, I just mentioned it's because, you know, when we play away, we play at their home. When when they play away, they play at our home. Mm-hmm. But those two games have been recent, They've you know, relatively recent. So 2016 was the prelim final, which we won by 37. And then we went on, obviously, to, um, quote, unquote, be defeated, quote, unquote, <laughs> by, by the bulldog, the sal- by the, the quote, saltiest, unquote, fair bull- the saltiest response Salty, ever. yeah. <laughs> And then the twenty, and then following year, twenty seventeen, semi final, Geelong, you know, did a number on us and beat us 
by 59. So in a long time, in a very long time, um, even in modern times, um, we've only played at that ground twice against each other and they've been in the finals um, high stakes. So bit of a hard to get hard to get a read on that one mm-hmm. um the other thing we've we've touched on throughout is obviously the success of uh geelong and and sydney over the time mm-hmm. and um i said earlier so obviously they had a little bit of a uh, uh, you know success in the mid 2000s um 2007 9 and 11 they uh won the flags they lost in 2008 and then they lost in 2020 um, conversely, as we all know, on the Swan side, it's 12, 14, 16, and then we uh, won 12 and lost 14, 16, um, and not, not including this year, obviously, that we're looking at. When we look at the coaches, and, and, and this really is um, interesting because they both um, started in 2011, and the major difference is that um, Chris Scott started his tenure with a flag in 2011, um, so sort of riding the coattails of the forefathers but um you know um with the ruse transition uh horse picked up in 20 uh, 2011 as well um took us to a semi-final that year um but won the flag uh the next year in 2012 um and so of, they've both been coaching for 12 years respectively and on geelong's side they've only ever not been in finals once in that time 2015 when they finished 10th. And then as we know, um, as, as has been well documented, we had our mini rebuild in the years 2019 and 2020, where we finished 15th and 16th respectively. Other than that, we've been totally um, competitive and have been in finals. Mm. Um, so um, when we look at the, you know, you get in the mindset, you think, okay, all right, who's got the who's got more experience? Who's more successful? Who's got the who's got the edge when it comes to game day? We look at the the coaches and the and the careers, the the games coach, the win loss rate, all that stuff, the regular season and the finals. Um, I don't know what to draw out here. I think we can probably yeah. look at what's what's the best thing to look here. The finals. Should we just look at the finals record? Yeah, let's let's stick to finals. I think that's when you really show. Uh, what a team can do well best. okay so chris scott has coached 27 finals with 12 wins 15 losses with a win rate of 44.4 percent um on the other side on the good side on the red and white side horse has coached 23 finals with 12 wins 11 losses at 52.2 percent boom and boom we'll take it boom done <laughs> the other thing i think is um works in our favor obviously not at the time but sitting where we're sitting now i think having lost twice i think you you learn a lot from that and and no doubt he's been biding his time 17 18 19 20 21 thinking you know it's just focusing on the you know the rebuild but if if we ever get back to the grand final this is what we're doing um you know obviously that's subject to the personnel you have at the time but i like to think that horse has been planning this since 2016 yeah. Um, oh, you know, and, th- and that's just a flip- doing that's, it in his back room. Yeah, yeah, that's a flippant comment. Comment because it's almost obvious, but you know, you you, you don't know when you're gonna gonna get there until you you know sort of through through you know three quarters away through the season, and even then you're sort of wait, taking it a week at a time, as I like to say. But mm. uh, look- but it was just as you start to wind up, as you know who the most competitive play- teams are, mm. like you know that Don Pike and and Horse have been sitting in the back room. Having a look at what the cat's doing to make sure that you know it's a copycat league, 
whatever they were doing, is that going to be replicated? Can we beat it? What would we do if we beat it? You know, scenario testing. And, you know, it's just been the pure focus of them for every minute of the day for this last week, or last few days anyway, mm. probably a little bit before that potentially. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a, it's a good point you raise. Like ultimately by those losses, do we gain more out of them? Do we gain, well, not more out of them, but do we gain something out of them? Do we gain, mm. you know, some, you know, sleepless nights that ultimately turn into some uh, brilliance on, on the coaching front? Yeah, look, I think we, we've, we've got to tell ourselves that it does. Um, yeah. because you know, it. yeah, it does, <laughs> but um, it's kind of, it's going to be hard. Like, I don't think any, I think, I think all Swans fans, I think the AFL has, I mean, the deputy mayor of Geelong has already planned the, the, the victory parade. No. You hear that one? Well, I don't blame it because they're going to be a few days after. And so they probably have to like get permits and stuff going up and running. So I'm not going to get too up in arms about it. You're the like, mayor. Just pull a Swifty. Like, is <laughs> the Geelong just, mayor? He pulls Swifty every day of his life. He's just a, <laughs> another one. It's fine. Shoring up those dairy contracts. Yeah, that's it. Um, up and around dairy farms. Look, there's a look. There's a few ways that we can beat them. I think. Look, they they they're first in goal assists per game. That's massive for them. They share. They 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 get a lot of players to kind of get into it. They score a lot. But the Swans are also the second at stopping that. So we do have the ability to really like you know shut some of that stuff down. Um, all all in, within the same vein, the the cats are first and in inside fifties. The swans are fourth and stopping that as well. So we are good at slowing it down going into their fifty. Um, their forwards are the most dangerous guys going around, and we can we can do something with that. Um, the other part about what they do is that they're. they're we are minus in a head to head. We are minus twenty seven per game in handballs. So like they use the handball way more. They get it moving really, really well. Um, so they're fifth highest in handballs, but we are second for the least handballs for the opponent. So they are five in the highest for handballs. They they are minus twenty seven on us, and we are second in the least for letting our opponents handball on us so we do have a good structure and the pressure acts that we do have are able to slow their movement of their ball down and are able to slow the inside 50s um, and sharing it around inside their 50s we do have the ability to do this so i'm actually walking into this with my head pretty high in that we, we we are going to be competitive. <clears throat> I, I'm really confident about that. And I think if we can be coached well, as you're saying, hmm. then maybe we've got a strong chance here. Well, we, we spoke about last week, you know, we are we have the ability to adapt within mm-hmm. games and we haven't really had that, f- um, you know, f- for the whole of horses time. You know, we've, we've often had a couple of plans and that's sort of been it. And then if we've needed to shift again, we haven't been able to able to but this year we've seen a lot of different um tactics and strategies and ability to to move within the game and you think if they're if they're beating us at the handballs kind of like what the pies did in the second half of last week but also um you know with that frio game getting away from us just shifting and and getting getting a more sort of you know racking up the the ball stealing it away from them you know uh, building up the uncontested possessions but they they can also do that as well that's sort mm. of um, that's sort of a hallmark of Chris Scott as well you know starve the opposition of possession you know um, take the heat out of the game so you know I just think yeah if we can I th- I just think it's pressure it's pressure and run 
if mm. we can bring the pressure, the, the youthful enthusiasm, and run and run and run, I, I think we could run them off their feet potentially. Yep. yep. And, Limit their time with the ball to make any sweet decisions with it. I think yep. we, we've got the opportunity. Yeah. Pressure, turnover, and just have a crack. And then I think it's opportunity. I know this is stupid. It, it's the same for every game, but we really have to take our opportunities this yep. time. Gotta kick like, straight. We got to kick straight. Like we yep. can't. We can't spray. We've, you know, we've just really got to get it through the big ones. <laughs> I know that's, it's commonsensical. And yeah. I know the players are aware of that, but, you know, it, it's just, it's the biggest, the biggest stage. It's the big dance. So <clears throat> last time, last, last roll of the dice for some, like you don't know when you're going to get back there, right? I have mm. no idea when you're going to get back to a grand final. I mean, we have high hopes and we're really confident about our team and, and what we're doing with it and, our rebuild, I feel, was you know, built on fantastic foundations, but you don't know when you're going to come back to this. You know, you mm. take it for granted what Richmond had done. Like, look at the D's. D's thought they were in the middle of this great dynasty, and then you know, straight sets out they go. So you don't know. It's it's, it's so stressful. <laughs> so stressful. Mm. But yeah, so we, we have a chance. A, oh, we got more than a chance. Yeah. Uh, I think that we're 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 thick in it, mate. And um, I I'm I'm not. I'm certainly not confident, but I think that if we if we bring it, I think that we'll go a very long way to 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 getting the job done. Yeah. But but it's going to be very difficult against this team that that seems to be humming. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. it still doesn't make uh, living through the the week any easier, does it? <laughs> well, I think that's a bit of a message for all Swans fans and Cats fans out there as well, like. We let's, you got to enjoy it. We have to enjoy the time, right? Like we don't have any time to enjoy the prelim because we're too busy focused on the grand final. But we need to try to enjoy this. I know how stressed we all are. I'm not sleeping. I, I lost sleep last night because one of our baby, one of the baby jewels, wasn't sure whether she was coming or not, and I lost sleep over that. I don't know why, but I did. But there's no need for that. We just mm. need to sit back and enjoy it, mm. make the most of it. Yeah, we just other, just make the most of it. The other thing is, and I, I see here that um, James Noble, um, and I think this is James who sits behind us in the home it, and away. Season. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Shout out to James and 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 his fam. Um, and this is a very good point, um, and I'll just read it out. So James says, uh, "Dreams uh, that 2012 all over again uh, keeps going." We've, we've finished third on the ladder. We've beaten Collingwood in a prelim and we go into the grand final as underdogs, but we win. An 81-91 scoreline would be incredible. I so, yeah, I love I love his vibes there. And and his point there, I think, underdogs. Um, mm. So, again, we're, we're the outsiders. Um, you know, Geelong has – it's theirs to win. It's ours to lose. Um, and if, if anything this year, if, if, if our performance this year – has shown us anything, it's that we tend to do better against teams that are above us, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, actually in the ladder or just, you know, almost, con- um, you know, um, perceived. Mm-hmm. Perceived <clears throat> quality so or whatnot. Perceived yeah. quality, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 the, do- if the cats are meant to win because they're so much better than us, then we're the underdogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I'd rather be in that position because I think we've played better footy when we've, when we've been faced by that dynamic. So I think James has, has picked it there. So well done, yep. mate. We you got any, any, any other shout-outs there? Yeah, mate? look, there's a bunch of them. Look, Zane Red and White, our man. Our man. <laughs> Combined free kick count for 2012 and 2016. 
is 18 to 41. So it's 18 for Sydney, 41 against. Definitely redemption time for Stivic and Meredith. Let's see whether he's right there. Um, Liam Mack um, on Twitter messaged to say, gutted that I won't make it back from Scotland to go to the grand final. I spent an amazing three months cheering at the SCG and also following interstate. I've made lifelong memories and I hope to make more in the future. One year I'll make a GF, which is awesome. Good on you, Liam. Um, Tasmanian Tony, uh, my man down there in Tasmania. How you doing, Tony? He's written, do I have to get arrested this weekend? <laughs> Question mark. I watched the 2005 and 2012 premierships in a house in Hobart that I sold six years ago. Do I have to break into that house for us to win again? Um, <laughs> quite a few people suggest he does. So, Tony, that's on you, mate. Let us know how that goes. <laughs> Bail is set for a thousand a night or whatever. Um, Gary Murray has given us just a prediction 12 12 84 for Geelong, Sydney 15 10 Ahanji. So, mm. let's see where that ends up. Justin Morgan has messaged us, messaged us to say Bud will announce his one year deal during the Queen's funeral going out in the limb. Well, mate. You weren't far off it because, yeah, he announced and, yeah, they've got it done. So he said something. Um, Phil Geddes reckons that Logan is going to break open a close game uh, in the third by kicking two goals in five or ten minutes. So Logan's going to break it open apparently. Good on you, Phil. Um, Nat28 message to say it's her first grand final, missed out on previous ballots. All she wants to say is this, all she wants to see is a solid four-quarter effort that makes all, everyone proud and showcases the talent and culture of the club. Win or lose, I'll be happy to have been along for the ride. That's the attitude, I guess. Um, Jonty, I fucking hate this guy. Jonty just wrote extra time. <laughs> don't. Oh, my heart will just give out, mate. So I, I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah, thanks for coming on through. And uh, <laughs> thanks for no thanks, mate. Thanks for no thanks, there, Jonty. Uh, Justin Morgan also wrote, "Fuck umpires, just bend us over now." All right, calm down. <laughs> That's negative. That's negative. It's right. pretty negative. Yeah. Um, um, the, let's say I, th I think Phil Geddes also mentioned that, and that this yeah. has been um, across the socials, but the temper trap. Yep. Uh, are, are playing, and they played. During the 2012 flag or that's right. grand final, so that's grand final. Yeah, that's cool. And also, that's all all amongst the coming third, right? Um, yeah. And also with the was it Dosa Roosters <clears throat> in Tasmania winning yep. uh, losing their premiership. So yeah, the, the stars these, are aligning. The stars are aligning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, mate. Well, um, I think that I think that brings us to the end of this. Well, I mean, other than the fact. You know, we could always do the whole who you're tipping thing, but I think we've sort of touched on it. I'm, as always, not willing to commit because I'm just so fraught with emotion and this is quite literally the the, the highest stakes of the year. So um, have you got one last thing, mate? I <laughs> just want to say that the energy that we had at the SCG was incredible. Yeah. And it was the best I've ever felt. At, at the SCG, the, the crowd was in it from the very beginning, and we rode all the highs and the lows as the game went on. And there was loads of positivity throughout the ground as as it was happening. And I would just love to see that happen again. I know we're going to have a a smallish contingent of Swans fans because the AFL sold oh. off all of these rights to them businesses, right? So we're not going to have as many. Argue, we're not, arguably not going to have as many club members at the game as we want so those who go 
please scream loud go off every decision every contest let them know how you feel let's not hold back let's show them that the swans are a force on the field and also in the crowd let's hope we uh have a strong contingent of of south uh the south melbourne brother brother and sisterhood down there Mm -hmm. um sitting in the mcc or afl members or afl entitlement slash contractual obligation sections (laughs) because there's a chunk of seats there that could otherwise be swans and or cats fans uh Mm -hmm. cats members um as as uh that tony tony jones bloke um, gave a rather impassioned speech about the, um, you know, the unfairness of the uh, the allocation system. But as we're saying, if we can bring the same intensity as we did last week to uh, the MCG this week, then that'll help our boys hopefully get over the line. That's it. That's all we need. And look, there's a big week ahead of us, mate. We've got grand final parade. You've got the AFLW. You've got the big walk to the to the MCG on the day there's a lot still to happen Grand final parade yeah we've i mean oh. we've got we've got the drive down with those uh three boys under two that's going to oh, yeah. just oh. alan oh. joyce cancelled my flight and i still don't know when i'm flying i haven't got a message to say it's been replaced so i, oh, I don't God. know if i'm going at this point so i might need a, a lift um <laughs> but we'll just see what happens let me know mate cuz uh, we might be running out of seats but <laughs> <laughs> all right no worries mate well that brings us to the end of this episode so on behalf of the bevy, I'd like to say thank you to all you signets and swallings out there for listening in. Make sure to keep following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at a bevy of bloods for various content, updates, and announcements. Until then, up the bloods, up the bloods. and can you swanies!